Welcome and bienvenidos to our new program called Next Generation, highlighting the many creative journeys of next generation leaders. In this series, I will bring you the stories of young leaders in science, literature, medicine, education, and business. Those who have chosen to reach further, travel farther, innovate, and take the risks often necessary to make a difference in their own lives, in those of their families, their communities, and someday in the world. My name is Julieta Garcia. For over 22 years, I had the great privilege of serving as president of the University of Texas at Brownsville. Through that work, I came to know the stories of many of our students that overcame great obstacles to attend college and through great sacrifice of their own and of their families, make it through. Getting to know their stories was always a great inspiration to me. So I thought I'd chase some of them down, interview them, and let you hear in their own words what they're up to now, what their challenges were, and what they hope to accomplish in the future. I promise you will be as inspired, amazed, and humbled by their accomplishments as I have been. Now let's get started. It is my great pleasure today to welcome to our studio Luciana Morales. Luciana has a fascinating story about coming to us from way down south. And when you think of south, you know, you think of Mexico, maybe a little bit further south, but you don't often think of Peru. Luciana came to us from Peru. So welcome to our studio today, Luciana. Thank you, Dr. Garcia. It's wonderful to have you here and to reconnect with you. It's, it's my pleasure to, to be here today sharing this. So I want to tell, um, I want to give you an opportunity to tell your story and to talk about how it is that someone from Peru ended up uh, in Brownsville and at UT Brownsville um, and all around the notion of chess. Tell us how it is that you came to be in Brownsville. Sure. I've always wanted to, to come to the United States to, to study, to work, and to develop, to, to grow as a, as a person. And the opportunity uh, first came up uh, when I played a tournament in Vegas, of all places. <laughs> there was this national tournament for girls over there in, in Vegas. And um, first prize was a scholarship to go to another university. This was not a full scholarship, so this wasn't something that my mom could afford. How old were you, Luciana, when you went to Vegas to play in that chess tournament? I believe I was 18. Okay. It was a pretty interesting experience because I had read a lot. I had heard a lot about Vegas and, <laughs> and uh, you know, going going there, but um, not in, in a plan to, to play or to enjoy uh, any of the attractions that are so specific and 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 um associated and with associated, vegas normally yes, right with, with vegas it was about exactly all about about um about chess this this experience however did open my eyes to the fact that there were several college programs in the united states that had teams that were very strong and that were recruiting team players so i started to research and i found university of texas at brownsville and um, <laughs> i remember going into the website uh, reading about uh, the program and reaching out because back then i thought like what's the worst that can happen is that they will say well nothing you were not looking for for a for a player from, from a young girl in <laughs> exactly, Peru, exactly <laughs> yes. Um, but instead, but instead, yeah. the the response was positive, and Mr. Rossi Harwood, uh, who was the chess program director at the time, he was very welcoming, 
and he was recruiting team players and the cool thing is that there wasn't discrimination so you could be a, a boy or a girl so he he did recruit me and another young lady from from South America as well from Colombia mm-hmm. and this was 2006 2007 so I didn't come immediately after the offer um, I did have a conversation with my mom because as an only child um, as a female, you know, uh, there were all of these concerns, of course, mm-hmm. that my family had. But my mom has been very supportive of me from day one to so my chess career. Chess and supported by your mother in chess for years before you were 18. Was it 12 when you started competing in chess? I started competing internationally at age 12, but my story in chess had started earlier because I, my first uh, experience with chess was at six. My mom had told me to move the pieces at six. It wasn't until age eight when I really started becoming more competitive, and my mom had signed me up at eight uh, for, for, for a couple of summer camps, gymnastics and chess. I remember liking gymnastics more than chess. (laughs) However, what uh, turned the tables was that in chess I had this competition factor that I didn't have so much in gymnastics. I remember my first games I I didn't win, but I was so determined to like, no, I'm going to beat these girls because they had beat me, so I'm going to beat them. (laughs) And... um, in order to to learn more, I remember asking the, the, the coach of the summer camp if I could participate in the summer camp for older girls. He was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and um, and again, they, they, they would beat me. However, I grew that uh, resilience to, to wanting to learn more. And eventually, I ended up, yes, beating them. But one thing that... Um, I was very fortunate was that the coach back then, the the coach of this summer camp was one of the top players in Peru. And he he's an international master. And I remember reading his name in the newspaper. And it was a little article that said, uh, Peruvian chess team prepares to go to the Olympiad. And so I remember seeing it and telling my mother, I want to do that. I want to go to, an Olymp- <laughs> to, to the Olympiads and, and represent uh, Peru. So I think from early on, I was exposed to that knowledge that when you are good enough at something, you can represent your country out there and you can do well. So by the time you came to UT Brownsville for for chess, you had already been playing for years and competing for years. And so... With I, I ask you, and I know you're very uh, shy about telling us all of the about the wonderful um, awards that you received, but you must tell us now. Sorry, uh, tell us a little bit. I mean, you won two Olympiads, is that right? I I attended. I went to two two mm-hmm. Olympiads, um, and th- so prior to coming to to the US I had been to those two two olympiads but I had also participated in other international competitions and I had had good results as as I was um, telling you earlier yes at age 12 I started competing internationally um, at age 12 I was playing in um, in the these tournaments for 14, girls under right? 14 <laughs> and uh, again that was like me trying to like step up you know and 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 get this um um and step up to to the to the challenge but um it it was a good experience i didn't win any medals when i was at 12 um playing this uh 14 
But the next year, when I was 13, I actually have one of my fondest memories of chess tournaments because I was playing the um, championship for boys under 16 in Lima. I'm from Lima, Peru, the capital city. Mm -hmm. And uh, traditionally, the capital city has, you know, the best, uh, the best players. It, at least uh, it, it used to be when, mm -hmm. when, when I was um, mm -hmm. uh, growing up. So the competition was very strong. And, and um, there weren't many girls playing uh, back then. And so I always had to compete with these guys. And it so happened that um, for, for, for the first time I won this tournament that were, you know, boys under 16, most of them older than me. And looking back, I think that that one was one of those moments that made me realize that I really wanted this and I wanted to win and all these tournaments. It. Yes, whether <laughs> whether it was playing with boys or, or, or with girls. And um, I I do remember also that that same year in, in, in which I won the championship for boys under 16, I got second place in boys under 18, which is even like a more demanding category. But I also remember that my mom had this conversation with me at a celebratory <laughs> dinner that we had that que no se te suba esto la cabeza. Don't, um, don't let this go to your head. Yes, <laughs> don't let this go to your head because yes. this is not the end. You haven't won international tournaments yet. So keep working. This is not, uh, this is not the end. So... At that time, I was a little bit bummed, like, whoa, mom, like, <laughs> I did, like, something really cool. And, you know, another funny anecdote is that back then they would give, um, they would give a diploma to La Mejor Dama, mm -hmm. the best uh, lady, player, yeah. the best uh -huh. woman player. And I remember that they didn't give it to me because they were like, well, you already won the first place in general. So I thought, okay, yeah, well, whatever. But I remember my mom saying, what? So are you saying that she's not a girl? Like, I mean, you, I think you should also give her that. So in looking back, my mom has always been, you know, a great um, advocate and very outspoken about rights in so in she general. had obviously supported you playing chess, had challenged you, had had even said, you know, you can do much more than this. But now it was time for her to have to let go of you and allow you to travel and go to school far away from Peru. And so this was a moment of, of great decision on her part and yours. Did you ever hesitate uh, to come to the United States? Was there a moment when you just said, maybe I just need to stay home with my mother, my grandmother, my family? Or was it just clear to you, I've got to do this? I think I think I was very enthusiastic and I didn't hesitate back then when when I was when we were making the decision and like you said my mom has been very very supportive when um you know since since the moment that she she started like paying for my classes with private coaches since she started mm -hmm. paying for my trips international trips because you know um as I was growing up, I think at that time, support from the National Sports Institute in Peru wasn't mainstream, but she she was she was there to to support all of this. So when I when I won the, these international tournaments, like girls under sixteen, girls under twenty, then girls under eighteen, and also the the first place in the in inter sonal tournament which gives um which is for adults and qualifies the winner to the world cup which so i which um 
made me become the first Peruvian woman player to to qualify to those to that you know a World Cup Incredible. of adults. Yes. I think like all of that led to to that moment. Okay, well, I mean, you you wanted to to go there, so this is this is a moment. So I think it was, it was to kind me of it a was natural progression for you, wasn't it? Yes, this is the next step. Yeah, yeah, and it felt right because you've been preparing. Yes. However, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I think that if there was a moment where I hesitated whether this was a good decision, was in my second semester. Ah, what happened in your second semester? I'm not sure. I think that all of that homesickness that I didn't experience in my first semester came mm-hmm. in, mm-hmm. and I felt very unprepared to mm-hmm. be here. After all, I mean, when I came, I didn't have any family member. I, I didn't know many people. And I think that now I can safely say that, well, I, I've been very blessed because even, you know, at those times where I felt that I wasn't where I needed to be. I did find like very kind friends and a system of support that made me realize that, no, I mean, well, you're not alone. It's, it's, it's But it's still very difficult and people need to know how hard it is. I mean, people have trouble going from here to Austin to go to school, much less from Peru all the way to Brownsville. And and uh, and I and I know that you will uh, you will spend your life making that transition easier for other girls and other women. Uh, because you've experienced it uh, so emphatically yourself. But you stayed. Tell us about your time then at UTB playing chess. So I came in 2007. Back then, I think we had um, we had one team for sure in 2007 and 2008, because in 2008, we qualified for the Final Four. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty exciting, because in our team, we had uh, two women international masters, we had uh, an international master, and the other player was not a titled player. But we were very resourceful. <laughs> we were very. <laughs> we had this greet, and 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 we yes. made it work because yeah. I remember that the other teams had uh, grandmasters, you know. And I think we we were one of the teams that qualified that didn't have any grandmasters. And um, but you were still there at the final four. Yes. So this is the final four of chess, not the final four of basketball. People would say to me all the time, I, I would be celebrating the Final Four, and they thought I was talking about basketball. Well, no, we were celebrating the Final Four of chess, and that means that it's a Pan-American group. Tell us what Pan-American refers to in chess. Sure. So Pan-American is, is very important. It's more than just North America. It's all the way from Canada to Chile. All the countries in this beautiful continent are invited to participate. If I'm not mistaken, I didn't play the, the Final Four because by then there were changes in the team. We had recruited a couple of uh, international masters Mm -hmm. from other countries in South America as well. And I think at that time also I had a a short stint in theater. So I ended up um, staying for... For that, but also because I wasn't anymore in the A team. The A team, yes, we, yes, we had been yeah. recruiting more members, mm-hmm. and they were they were also international students. Yes, some from South America, but then by that time we were doing Russia and uh, other countries where we had begun to bring in uh, other chess players, and so we had a but very competitive team. Yes, I completely agree. I think that you know, I think that was my favorite season of being yeah. in the chess team because we had this incredible team of international masters that later became grandmasters while here at the university. And uh, we had this common background of coming from South American countries. So we had very a very good rapport 
We had Paraguay. Paraguay, that's right. We had Chile. So you all had a camaraderie, all being from Latin American countries. Yes. It felt a little bit better. You weren't so lonely, I think. Yeah. Once other young chess players came. So your time in chess was fantastic. So it was. Y- you, you did extraordinary work as the first woman from Peru. To go to the World Cup. To the World Cup, mm-hmm. yeah. And so your mom now says, okay, you can go to the university. You succeed here in the chess club. And did you decide, when did you decide not to go back to Peru? I mean, because you're still here. And your university time was over for the for the moment. In addition to being in the chess team, which I really enjoyed, I was also branching out and I was participating in other extracurriculars. I remember getting into the philosophy club and um, I was so active in the philosophy club. We started a, a radio show. <laughs> it was called Thinking Out Loud with uh, Dr. Potempa. So I, I, I did have uh, other interests aside mm-hmm. from chess. And also, as I was telling you, I mean, I had like this um, short-lived uh, theater <laughs> interest. It was a play about uh, about immigration, about the border okay. and the Sonoran Desert. And uh, interestingly, this play made me aware of a nonprofit organization that helps migrants as a humanitarian effort. It leaves water jugs on the desert, mm-hmm. so whomever is crossing uh, can hydrate. Mm-hmm. Um, So later on, when I was in the New York Times Student Journalism Institute, my topic, my photo essay, was about that. I had the opportunity to follow one of the members of this organization as uh, he and a colleague were leaving these water jugs across the desert. So I did have this powerful experience of seeing clothes on on the desert, and we saw helicopters around. It was pretty moving. So tell us about the New York Times internship or summer institute that you participated in. So my first job ever in life was at the Collegian, the uh-huh, student newspaper right. here yes, at UTRGV. After one semester, I remember having a little portfolio of photos that I had taken on, on campus and also outside of campus. And I read about this opportunity of applying to, to this uh, student journalism institute that was a collaboration between the New York Times and the University of Arizona. So I applied, not necessarily expecting to to be selected because I was aware that people from all over the country were going to apply mm-hmm. and probably they would have more experience, better eye, better composition, better mastery of photography than, than <laughs> I did. But somehow um, I, got, uh, I got the news that... Um, that I was selected. <laughs> um, so I, um, this, this was uh, about a two-week boot camp that was in Tucson, Arizona. It was fantastic. We had staff from the New York Times come and mentor the students. We had our projects. And then as a photographer, I also had to document some stories for other reporters. And so a lot of uh, things that now I apply to, like even writing or things like that, I, <laughs> I still cherish from the lessons that I had at, that uh, at the Institute. So you were then doing chess. Now you're doing photojournalism with a collegian and with New York Times photojournalists. <laughs> and you're majoring in what at the university? At that moment, I'm majoring in government. But I believe um, shortly after, I'm, I'm getting a second major. In communications, so I ended up having a double major 
double major, undergrad, and then you decided to go to graduate school at some point. Yes, I went for public policy and management. My number one choice would have been something in communications or public relations, but at that time, this program wasn't available at UTV, but public policy was available. And this also was an op- a great opportunity because the chess program had offered also to, to cover it full tuition. So it was an opportunity that you cannot say no to. Absolutely. So getting scholarshiped by the chess program was very important for you. And I don't think people realize that, like some universities, scholarship football players, we at UT Brownsville scholarshiped chess kids and chess adults uh, eventually um, because it, it was something that we wanted to focus on. We wanted to show the world that our students could do chess. They could do it internationally. And if they can do chess, they can do physics, they can do law, they can do public policy. And so you are one of our great examples of how that came true. Of course, getting a scholarship is a big deal, but getting a scholarship for an international student is an amazing thing because as I look back, this really catalyzed the opportunity to come to this beautiful country and fulfill that dream I had of growing here and working hard. I think, you know, a lot of um, people who come from other countries are very hardworking. We have uh, this desire to excel and succeed and we bring a lot to that table and this scholarship really made a big difference in my life I mean I was very happy already and grateful to the president of the (laughs) university (laughs) and and of course our chess program director for the opportunity to to have a full ride in my undergrad but having this second opportunity to also have a master's this this was amazing and I and I'm even more aware now that it's very hard for um, for students, whether they are from here or from abroad, to have a, a master's, right. exactly, a, a, mm-hmm. a full scholarship to cover their graduate mm-hmm. studies. So I'm, I'm, I'm very, very blessed to have had this. And, and, I, and I take this opportunity to thank you again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I thank you, Luciana, for, for taking advantage and, and showing the world uh, how powerful it is to have students from around the world come and become part of our democracy here in the United States. So so you stayed here, you got married, and you're continuing to do a variety of very um, innovative things. As a matter of fact, someone said to you when they were talking about you, I think it was Nick Mitchell Bennett said, this girl is fearless. What was he talking about? What have you been involved in that elicited that response from him? Even before I graduated from the master's program, I started becoming a volunteer. And this this has been very important to me. Since this community has given, you know, so much to me, I want to be always in a position that uh, I can I can I can give back. And one of the things that I was doing while I was still a student was volunteering with different projects and different community-based initiatives. And uh, because of that, I I started networking and meeting uh, different people. And at some point, I ended up licensing and organizing the first TEDx Brownsville of the Rio Grande Valley. And this was 2013. It was called Challenge Sparks Change. There you go. And it okay. was about overcoming issues, overcoming problems with creativity and, and with a desire to, to do something powerful about it. So one of the speakers, as uh, selected by the committee, was Nick Mitchell Bennett. 
uh, who who is a champion, you know, of affordable housing in 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 the state. As one of the speakers, you know, we had this rehearsal, and I remember telling him uh, my feedback about about his presentation. I didn't think too much about it, but uh, he told me later that he found it uh, very refreshing that I had given him my feedback without any hesitation or. or and any that's when he called you fearless. Yeah, something on something yeah. on those lines. <laughs> and then, you know, I had the opportunity to work with him because mm-hmm. um, at Community Development Corporation of Brownsville, they they opened a, a position for for a special projects coordinator. And um, and I and I got in, and I was with uh, with CDCB learning from Nick for uh, almost three years, and then um, and then currently I'm with Workforce Solutions Cameron, which is another nonprofit organization that focuses on on workforce issues and connects employers with job seekers. Well, how fortunate for us that you came, that you stayed. And that you continue to contribute. Now, you you have another program that I wanted to make sure uh, we mentioned today, and that's um, Mujeres Moving Mountains. Yes. Uh, talk a little bit about what that involves. Mujeres Moving Mountains is a collective of women who are connected by the passion of women empowerment. And um, we, we uh, made the second TEDx Brownsville. And this was an absolutely amazing experience because we got to highlight five amazing women from our community that had in common that they were moving mountains. These women were from different uh, industries, different generations, and it was astounding at how how much talent, how much passion we, we found. There were so many applications, you know, and... Um, and being able to narrow down the pool to select these speakers was no easy feat. Mm-hmm. And uh, this also motivated us to step up our game. There are so many things that, that we can still do. And in my case, I feel that, yes, I'm very, uh, very big in community engagement. In my profession, I'm, I'm in community engagement and public relations for nonprofits. But um, I would love to, to step up my game and, and have... Uh, um, you know, uh, a bigger dent in, in, in the community. And so listening from from Dr. Rocco, from yourself, Dr. Garcia, about lessons in leadership, lessons in in in, in uh, health, public health, this, this was a fantastic experience. And I hope that, you know, it uh, repeats sometime soon that we do another, another uh, event like this, mm-hmm. perhaps under the umbrella of TED, Perhaps or or not, it can be a, a, a summit in general. But I think it's it's important because we are at this era, at this time, that um, we are listening more and more from from women who are um, who are gaining regain or maybe it's not that gaining this voice. We I think we have had this voice all this time, but now there is more awareness and there is more awareness also of the challenges that that uh you know we we have had in our stories there 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 certainly are and and you have uh you have done your part already if you were to to stop doing anything tomorrow you would already have contributed a great deal to 
um, a w- women's future here in the Valley and in Brownsville particularly. But you're just starting. You've got a long way to go. So we're going to continue to stay in touch with you, Luciana, because I have a feeling that we're going to be hearing about many, many other convenios, many other meetings, many other uh, chess um, tournaments, whatever it is that you're involved in, uh, or for women or for empowerment of people in general. So, muchísimas gracias por darnos tanto de tu tiempo and all of the gifts and talents that you bring to our community. So the final word is, I'd like for you to give some consejos to women. So I have, let's say, pretend I have about 100 students here wanting to get one consejo from you. What is of all the things that you could tell them um, that would keep them in the trenches working on those degrees or going back to school or trying to contribute to their community? Hmm. I think if I if I had to give just one advice, it would be to to not apologize, to embrace your your strength. I think um, um, sometimes uh, we women who are A type and who are who want to achieve um, are are seen as bossy, uh, even as aggressive or abrasive. But I think. Um, I think this shouldn't deter us from 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 speaking out loud, from standing up for the things that we believe in, from giving unapologetic feedback, you know. And um, being fearless. <laughs> from being fearless, yes. <laughs> Thank you so much, Luciana. Thank you very, very much for joining us here in the studio. Thank you so and much, Dr. Garcia. I enjoy this conversation, and, and I, I always look up to you, and I enjoy any, any conversation that we have. Thank you so much. Hasta pronto. Hasta pronto. Thank you for tuning in to Next Generation, a program highlighting the next generation of leaders in the Rio Grande Valley and beyond.